The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. As the people were in expectation, and all men questioned in their hearts concerning John, whether perhaps he were the Christ, John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the thong of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form as a dove, and a voice from, came from heaven, Thou art my beloved Son, with thee I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the one true and living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. To be baptized is to be immersed. Technically, it is to be dipped or submerged in liquid. Theologically, essentially, it is to be absorbed by the things of God. Or more thoroughly, as St. Paul describes it in Romans chapter 6, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. Think now of your own baptism. In order that just as Christ Jesus was raised from the dead, he continues, through the glory of the Father, we too may be raised to newness of life. And this, fellow Christians, is gospel truth. That a Christian baptism is a total identification with, a total immersion into, the things of God. But as with all things done in the Christian faith, our Christian baptism into the things of God is a reflection of and a response to things that originate in heaven. If you think about it, God first became immersed in us. Think about that for just a minute, and maybe put yourselves in the hands of God as we unfold these ideas. That is to say, when God created us, as God created us, he became completely involved and concerned with every little detail that had to do with us. Psalm 139 declares it this way, you knit me together in my mother's womb. Your eyes saw my unformed body. And how wonderful it is to know that God is so deeply, so intimately invested in us. He knows every hair on our head. He is involved in every thought that we think. He designed every cell in our body. It's unimaginable, isn't it? He wove together every single strand of your DNA just to make you wonderfully you. Jeremiah 29.11 speaks of God's immersive love for you and for me in this way. He says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. 
And this scripture shows us that God not only cares about our beginning, that is to say, he doesn't just wind us up and let us go, but he also cares about our end. And he cares about everything that happens to us along the way. And so to show his care over everything that happens in between, in order that he might bring his creation to redemption, he therefore became immersed in us again, by his very own incarnation. And this is what we celebrate at Christmas and just celebrated. That God, in fact, became like us in every way, yet did not sin. That is, he took God, took on our flesh. He inhabited. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 18 writes it this way. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he breaks the power of him who holds the power of death. That is, he breaks the power of the devil, and he frees all those who were held in slavery, enslaved by their fear of death. For surely, the author of Hebrews continues, it is not angels he helps, but the descendants of Abraham. For this reason, for this reason, he had to be made like them in every way, fully human in every way, so that he could become a faithful high priest and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. And then Hebrews chapter 4 completes this glorious picture. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. <clears throat> For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but he has been tempted in every way as we are, yet he did not sin. Therefore, the author of Hebrews concludes, we are able to approach the throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Do you see, still see God holding you in the palm of his hand? In other words, it is the very incarnation of God himself that shows us how to get from beginning to end in this wayward world. God becoming so immersed in our humanity that he himself became human. A scandal to every other religious construct in the world. But a glory to those who come to know the one true living God. Taking on flesh himself to show us how much he values human flesh. Think about how much you are valued in the sight of God. How much he loves you. How immersed he is in you. And this draws us to the significance of baptism. I, I want you to hold on to this image, if you will. As God passes through the waters of Mary's womb to become fully human, then he himself becomes baptized, though he didn't require baptism. Yet he did it to show us that we must pass through the waters of baptism. That as he came to us through the waters of the womb, we must come to him through the waters of baptism. Do you follow? He came to us through the waters 
of the womb. We come to him through the waters of baptism in order that we might once again have the divine likeness restored in us. Jesus said as much to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. I tell you the truth, he said, that no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born again when they're old, Nicodemus said. Surely you can't enter into your mother's womb a second time and be born. And Jesus answered him, You cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you are born of water and of the Spirit. Do you see the transaction happening here? Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. Now, to be clear, Jesus partook of John's baptism. It was a baptism of the Old Covenant, if you will. It was indeed an outward washing with water for the forgiveness of sins, yet there was no inward regeneration of the heart. And this is the distinguishment between the Old Testament and the New. This is why John himself said, I baptize you with water, but one comes after me who is mightier than I. He will baptize you with fire and with the Holy Spirit. So what exactly is happening when someone becomes baptized in the New Covenant? What is the difference between John's baptism and our baptism? In other words, what exactly is Christian baptism? Recalling our words from St. Paul, we are fully identifying with and consecrating ourselves to Jesus. We are being buried with him in his death and raised to new life in him. Recalling our words from Jesus, the kingdom of God will only become visible to us through baptism. And this is evidenced in the words of John the baptizer where he says that Jesus will baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That is God immersing himself in us once again by giving us himself in the person of the Holy Spirit. The holy fire that purges us from sin. The holy judgment of God that burns up all of our wickedness, the refiner's fire that melts away the dross off of our hearts, and then the fire of the Holy Spirit that fans into flame. The consuming fire of God that's zealous for His kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. An unstoppable, raging flame in our hearts for the holiness of God alone. This is what it means to be baptized into the life of God. It is to turn our back against the deathly, wayward ways of this world and to turn our face resolutely to Jesus as he turned his face resolutely to the cross for you and for me. It is to become as immersed in God as he is in us. This is the gift of regeneration that takes place in baptism that our spirit is revived, that it's born again, that the stain of original sin is remitted unto salvation. This is why 1 Peter declares, baptism now saves you, not by washing away dirt on the outside, but by the cleansing of your conscience on the inside. This is the great act of salvation and the great mystery that takes place in baptism. And this is why it is a great sacrament of the church. It is a pledge of a clear conscience before God. And it is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our minds. As Paul says in Ephesians, he is a deposit. 
that is the Holy Spirit, guaranteeing our inheritance and sealing us for redemption. Now, let's be clear. Baptism is not a magic bullet. For Jesus also tells us that we can blaspheme against the We can finally reject the things of God. It's an unimaginable idea. But if the scripture holds true, it's real. We can say no. God is always operating in our responsibility, our privilege, our joy is to cooperate with the things of God. Therefore, here we might ask ourselves, what am I immersed in these days? Now, really, what am I immersed in these days? Have I submerged myself in something other than God? You see, that's the question that baptism drives us to. What am I immersed in right now? What has consumed my love, my heart, my mind? And if so, why am I doing this to myself? What do I hope to gain by immersing myself in something other than God? Why have I put my own pursuits before God's pursuit of me? May I simply say, Christian friends, that we become what we immerse ourselves in. We become what we immerse ourselves in. So I'd like to close with this observation. I don't know whether you've noticed this or not, but it seems that there are more than a few baptisms happening here at Christ the Redeemer of late. Could it be that something is stirring in the water, so to speak? Not just infants being baptized, although that's wonderful too, because it shows that families take their covenant responsibilities seriously. Amen. And thanks be to God. But adults are also being baptized. Just a couple of weeks ago, Jackie Avila on a Wednesday night, and now this morning, Bailey Fisher, who is the daughter of my good friend Tanya Fisher, who is the daughter of Joel and Elaine Bailey. You can see the covenant continuing in time and space right here at Christ the Redeemer. It suggests to me that this is a place where people are immersing themselves in the things that are of God, as God has so lovingly immersed himself in us. And as a final closing thought, perhaps you who are baptized would like to fan into flame your baptismal vows. Let me give you a few opportunities. The Alpha class coming up in February, where we learn about Jesus, where we learn about what it is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, to fan the gift of our baptism into flame. I would hope that all of our men, all of our men have this year's men's conference on their calendar, February 19th and 20th. For the Archbishop of the entire province of the United States of America will be here to lead us in Christian discipleship. And then on the 21st, we'll be right here to celebrate and preach in our midst. I hope we would have 1,000% participation. And men, I can't say it enough. As your spiritual life goes, so goes the life of your family. As your spiritual life goes, men, so goes the life of your family. And finally, immersing ourselves in the very mission work of God. Come to New Wineskins Dinner next Sunday and see what Christian mission is all. Get a foretaste from the lady who's been directing this global conference for several years now, decades even. 
Better still, go to the conference in April. Immerse yourself in the mission of God. And in so doing, see how much God has immersed himself in you, that you and I might become immersed in the things of God.